This episode is brought to you by our Patreon supporters. Become a patron today at patreon.com forward slash into the portal. the portal i'm amber a and i'm andrew mckay we're back with another film friday yeah i'm stoked to be back we missed last week mm-hmm. but uh we're back at it again with a really good one for you guys <laughs> yeah we're really stoked on this <laughs> as usual <laughs> the suggestions have been pretty epic they have been say that. yeah so we are discussing none other than nightbreed that's right 1990 film actually written and directed by clive barker yeah clive. and what and when I tweeted this out earlier today, being like, we're going to be back at it with Film Friday this week, I had a bunch of people tweet back at us, and they're like, Clive Barker's best movie. Like, people, oh, really? People, really like, people really like this movie. Now they do. Now they do. It's become a cult classic. <laughs> exactly. But before we jump into it, though, I just have a tiny bit of housekeeping. Oh, um, right, so yeah. thank you to everybody for your reviews. We've had a whole bunch of new ones, um, and they've been kind of spread out all over the world. So we had a few new ones from Sweden, um, five-star clicks, no, no written reviews, but some new five-star ones from Sweden, from Australia. That's awesome. And then we actually did have a written one from... Uh, I know, right? How awesome is that? From over in Germany, though. <clears throat> so we did have a written one, and that actually came from way back in October. Cool. And I don't know how we missed this, but uh, anyway, it slipped by. But this was from Wolf Padaus. Amazing. Give it a try. Five stars. So um, <laughs> it reads, I stumbled over this podcast and couldn't help but stop to binge listen to it. Amazing hosts and very interesting topics. They spend a lot of uh, effort on creating an amazing podcast experience. It goes on for a little while and then it continues in German, which oh, was cool. really cool. So thank you so much for that review. That's really and, neat. Uh, sorry we're a little late on it, but thank you to everybody who's uh, leaving them. And if you haven't yet, yeah. please do us a solid. Appreciate so it. So that's it. That's the housekeeping. Boom. All right. <laughs> boom. boom. Now let's talk about Boone, boom. who is the main character of this film. Yeah. He was played by Craig Sheffer, and he's also, he's been in quite a bit of stuff, including none other than um, A River Runs Through It. Okay. <laughs> that sounds familiar, but I'm not remembering. <laughs> I feel like there's so many just puns and plays off that. <laughs> anyway. A River Runs Through It's a pretty Bob. classic movie. And then also, <laughs> One Tree Hill. Are you serious? Yeah. No I, way. I think... I don't know if he's actually Canadian or not, but One Tree Hill was based out of... Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Dawson's Creek. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Wrong show. So, same sort of era, though, of oh, TV yeah. shows, right? They were, they were on now. Yeah, like I remember One Tree Hill ads. Teen television. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny, though. Before he actually became an actor, I just saw this little blurb here. Apparently, he was selling newspapers, slept under a marble staircase in the Grand Central Terminal, which I think is in the UK, actually. Okay. It might be in the east of Canada, I'm not sure. And then he was living off of these Unification Church spaghetti dinners. <laughs> Doesn't sound half bad. I know. So he's, he's, you know, he's making the dream happen. But now, you know, he's gone on to be very successful. Very cool. And then we also get uh, our <laughs> our nemesis of the film, Dr. Decker. That's right. Yeah, and he's played by Dave Paul, sorry, David Paul Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. And he's quite well known too. Hey, I instantly recognized him. Oh, and yeah. I thought he was from... The one we watched, oh my gosh, just the other week, not The Void, uh, the Ooh. one, the crazy one with the... Oh man, I'm, I'm already slipping. I can't remember. Are you but, no, but he's so, But no, <laughs> I recognized him from other stuff though, like not, not <clears throat> sci-fi horror things, but he's, that face is like, uh, he's been in a ton of movies. He just reminded me of the doctor, the crazy doctor from the last film we watched. Ooh, right? Right, from, um, from Reanimator. 
I guess maybe he, because, he, yeah. He's, because they were he's both not in that movie, but yeah. he would have been a great role in that movie, though. No. <laughs> but anyways, he is actually a filmmaker himself, Canadian writer and actor. And I thought this was interesting. He's actually one of the principal originators of what's known as the body horror genre. Very cool. So things like visceral bodily transformation, infection, like, right. like cyborg technology aspects and like this whole what they say, the intertwining of the psychological with the physical. So that's why, again, it really ties into whole reanimator, right? Like Absolutely. very, very similar genre. Definitely. And then, of course, we get Lori, which is played by Anne Bonnie. Right. Or Bobby, sorry. Anne Bonnie. Anne Bonnie. The She's pirate. back to life, resurrected, <laughs> has an acting career now. All right, but like, what's what's this movie about here, though? Like, give us, give us a little breakdown for people who, because I know some people listen to these and uh, haven't watched these movies yet. Mm-hmm. Wes, shout out to Wes. <laughs> watch this one buddy <laughs> all right well the basics of this film is essentially following uh aaron boone main character played by like i said uh craig sheffer he's a hunk he's he's like an 80s 90s hunk yeah. he's got his like leather jacket and his tight like, jeans that are all in like white tee looking all <laughs> yeah. tough the deep beat. the only thing that's missing is like the cigarette pack like flipped into the t-shirt cuff like he's from like the outsiders or something oh, totally. like that <laughs> that would have been perfect yeah but essentially, he is the main character, and he's described as, like, a patient, which is weird, right? Because we don't really get what he's being, like, what he's going through therapy for. Yeah. If it was a crime, if it was just, like, general psychological instability. That's what they kind of sort of imply. Like, that Lori wanted him to go because he was just kind of, like, struggling, like, mentally. Like, just struggling, um, yeah. the dreams, I think, right? The- exactly. And we get that right off the bat. Is his crazy dreams about these monsters in this place, and he knows the name of the place is Midian. Right. And so he's kind of in this weird situation where he's basically spouting this off to his doctor, right? He's confiding in his doctor, and then his doctor turns around and ends up telling him he's a serial killer, and that the dreams and the things that he's done supposedly are actually real. Right. And so then it's like this really crazy, awkward scene, hey? Like that one where they're in the office, and then he's basically... The Dr. Decker's outright accusing him yeah. and like, you've done this and whatever. These aren't dreams. They're real. And that, the, that you only have a certain amount of time, Aaron. You need to get out of here. You need to whatever. So he ends up fleeing. And then the whole rest of the movie is essentially this kind of a chase, right? So Aaron Boone, who's kind of always referenced, Boone's being chased by Dr. Decker and the police. And then he's also trying, like, Lori, his girlfriend, is ultimately trying to find him. Right. And we get this kind of weird confusion where he ends up, there's this, like, police standoff outside the gates of Midian, and the doctor, oh, that scene, <laughs> was so outrageous. He just totally, like, he's, oh, I got this. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to go talk to him. Right. <laughs> and he goes up to him. He's like, he's got a gun. Like, just, instantly. Like, <laughs> doesn't even try. So these guys, so these, like, the SWAT team just unload on him with right. semi-automatic weapons. And, uh, yeah, this has basically been, at this point in time, we're, we're not really sure. We know that Dr. Decker is... Uh, up to something, yeah. but we're not a hundred percent sure He's what a that is. Sinister fellow, mm-hmm. yeah. Definitely. And so what essentially ends up happening is when well Boone goes to find this Midian place. He's being chased by the police already, right? Because he's been sold out. Right. So he goes, and then he kind of discovers this place. Ends up being like hunted down by two of these people who basically are saying he's meat. Then they want to eat him because he's uh, mortal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not. He's not one of them. He's not a night breed. Right. And so what happens is he ends up getting bit by one escapes only to be like mowed down by like semi-automatic police weapons and then ends up on the slab yeah dead Dead. supposedly maybe he's dead 
But here's what's most important here, though. Because what? right before this happens, Boone has a little interaction inside Midian. Right, mm-hmm. and that's the reason why this movie is able to continue on. So he's like has this inst- instinctual, like he just knows where this place is, like, and that's what where you're kind of like left wondering: Are was he actually going to these places? Like, you know, right? Like Decker's saying, like, did he actually go to Midian in this what he's describing as a dream? Because he says they're so vivid, right? I think it's a prophecy. I don't think it's a dream. Even I think right. he's seeing the future. But it's so vivid; it's like it's happened already. Exactly. So it's the future, but it's as if it's already happened. Exactly. Uh, hence the prophecy obviously that's what a prophecy is but (laughs) but, so he finds Midian like nothing like so easily right Mm -hmm. because he just knows how to get there goes in and immediately is confronted by a couple of the residents of Midian that are actually able to be above ground because Mm -hmm. as we learn later on there's a whole mixed bag of these strange monsters (laughs) and creatures right it's not just one breed it's many night breeds and and Boone ends up getting like bit yeah on the neck on the Mm -hmm. neck um, we learn more about this later on, but this is right before the police show up and he's basically hightailed it out just outside the gates. Mm-hmm. And then we get this standoff, um, where he's shot and believed to be dead, but of course that doesn't stick. No. And that scene is highly symbolic, right? Because of the gates as like this aperture or say like a portal, it's right. like, it's a, it's a separator. Yes. So you get these two realms and like, you can almost describe Midian as almost a... It's almost like a metaphor for an in-between, right? Like Yeah, a, like it's a, like a um, purgatory-esque type, yeah. sort of. It's own separate realm, yes. almost, which right. is bizarre. It's outside of Calgary, which is <laughs> just <laughs> so weird. So he, like, just, yeah, instinctually kind of comes across. He just goes for it, right? Because yeah. he doesn't have anything. He needs to run. Right. So he's already on the run, on the lamb. That's right. And then, yeah, you get the standoff. He ends up going back they the weird part too is like you have this autopsy scene right and in this scene you get them removing the bullets but you don't actually see them cutting him open or anything like he's clearly not going through a full autopsy right and so then they end up just leaving him and then all of a sudden boone's body's gone and then this is where Lori kind of enters back into the scenario here yeah. because she's like okay either someone just like <laughs> stole the body of my, or he's not dead Right. And I so mean, she, she goes thinks to that it's stolen, though. I think. Well, yeah. And then she just almost... It's very instinctual, right? This whole film kind of revolves on the instincts of the characters, I think. Because in the sense, like, she just goes to Midian herself on a whim because she's like, well, I want to see where it all ended for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Even though it's like, would you really find answers? Like, the I answers th- are in what played out already, yeah. but she still goes. It's like she had this inclination that there was something more going on, obviously. Yes. Like, the missing body in the hospital. She didn't hospital. like that doctor. You could tell. No. She was like, um, yeah, she no, didn't you're, trust him from you're jump effed street. up. I don't like it. <laughs> and how could you, honestly? Like, the guy's very, very creepy. Mm-hmm. And it actually, um, we sort of, we didn't really skip it, but at the very beginning of the movie is a scene that's separated from everything else, right? Like, before you get to Boone and before you get to him talking to the to his psychologist or this, to Dr. Decker, there's the, the, the scene with the, the slashing, right? The murder. Right. With the... With the, with the um, oh, the woman. With, the, with this uh, serial killer that is believed to be oh, Boone, that Boone yes. is made to think is him, that has this really creepy burlap mask pulled over with buttons for eyes. Wow. And it looks a lot like... Um, Robert the Doll. Well, yeah, it kind of looks like that. You know what it reminded me of, though? The uh, the animated film uh, number nine. Yeah. Uh, the um, oh Tim gosh. Burton movie, totally. where it's like the fabric little people. Oh, that's a great, yeah. It kind of reminded me of that, which is like, that movie's not creepy, but this 
mask is super duper It's creepy. gross. It's really gross. Um, I don't like it. And he's got like a zipper over the mouth too. Yeah. And he like unzips it and like talks out of it. Got some BDSM <laughs> uh, stuff going on with that mask too, I suppose. I hated yeah. his voice. He didn't have an effective villain's voice for me. I didn't like it. I feel like it needed to be deeper and creepier. That was the one aspect about his character that was lacking, even though he did a really good job. I'm not saying that he didn't. Yeah, he did like a good Cronenberg, like, the, the expressions on his face. Yeah. Like, he did a good job of that. And just even his body language, I thought, was very effective. Absolutely. Especially as the doctor when he's, like, posturing. Mm-hmm. But then when he kind of breaks out into his, like, he's, like, almost like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's just, like, slashing wildly and stuff like that. Well, let's jump into that. Let's, let's get to let's that, I guess. Let's get into it. So, if you haven't uh, noticed already, and obviously the people who watch the movie will know, Decker <laughs> is actually the masked serial killer, okay? And he's basically <laughs> trying to pin this on Boone um, so that he can continue his activities, right? Weasel. So, Decker actually ends up drugging Boone with Ellis D and he tells him that's lithium and he orders Boone to turn himself in yada 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 right um so yeah this is right before Boone ends up in the hospital before his body disappears because he essentially comes back to life right what? I forgot about the LSD lithium thing. yeah because remember he was like wandering around and that's how he ended up uh, in the hospital the first time and meets the guy who shows him how to get to Midian Actually, so that's so I made a mistake there. So he knows roughly where Midian is from his dreams, but he doesn't know exactly how to get there. Mm-hmm. And he bumps into this guy at the hospital when he's been drugged by Decker. And this was the guy who's already tried to join them. He's tried to join Midian. He knows how to get there. And he thinks that Boone has been, he kind of recognizes that there's some sort of a prophecy going on because he thinks Boone came to him like on purpose. Okay. This guy shows him how to get there. That's how he gets bit. That's how he ends up surviving. So he, there's two hospital visits for for Mr. Boone here. Just well, to, just to clear that up. Once to the right? morgue, isn't it? So, well, right. Yes, mm-hmm. once to the morgue, but in and then he's gone. So yeah, so so Dr. Decker is this crazy psychopathic slasher. He kills mm-hmm. with knives and there's this scene where He's, like he's choked when um, Boone's body is still when, is gone. When he realizes that Boone's still alive, he's like right. just absolutely choked. He yeah. whips the uh, tape recorder from their sessions across the room, and he's got this big long like banquet table with like dozens of different like knives and machetes laid out on it. Mm-hmm. Just a total psychopath. <laughs> he really is. Yeah, I honestly kind of wish there had been a little bit more development on that part of things because it's like you don't really like you're just like okay you're just some crazy psychopath that you know just ended up becoming a professional therapist uh-huh. and just abusing your privileges and your, your you know your power and all this kind of stuff well it's sort of like a uh what's it called a hannibal situation I guess. that's almost, true yeah exactly it's just this uncontrollable whatever yeah that's yeah this plot is just so funny though it's like, pretty wild it is and even all the visuals are just amazing. The set designs are incredible. I really loved, I, I loved the, the upper side of Midian, you know, and you get just like, it's almost like, um, it's like a mausoleum type Well, that's just, it's a, it's a cemetery. It is a it's cemetery. It's a straight up cemetery. And they even describe it as like, no, there's no town named Midian, it's a cemetery called yeah. Midian. Well, that's what the, the, she gets that line to Lori. She's like, well, I'm looking for the town of Midian, or no. What is he, yeah, she goes to the bar. And there's like, oh, it ain't no town. Yeah. Or something along those lines, right? It's a yeah. cemetery. It's not a town. Exactly. Which is weird because the people, the locals refer to it as such, though. Mm. 
Right. And then there's this whole underground world. Yeah. It's so cool. And it's just this it's this kind of this weird mythology of the city where it's like they know it's there, but they also like don't really believe it at the same time it's, until there's this crazy standoff. Exactly. At the end. So it's like it's like a mythical place that's sort of lurking in the background of the town subconscious. Right. It's not even a town, it's like a highway town kind of thing. Totally. Outside of Calgary, I guess. There's a lot of symbology built into the fact that it's obviously beneath a cemetery too, right? Like this is yes. clearly the place where think where the deceased go, obviously. Exactly. So as a as a portal or a crossing over point or some sort of weird in between in between mm-hmm. makes perfect sense, right? Totally. It reminds me of the duot, right? Because you go underground and it's a journey and all this kind of stuff. Hey, that's true. Exactly. So Very let's get true. into more of that before we do. Before we do, we have a little bit of a break. Um, for starters, we just wanted to mention, of course, our sponsor, Coffee Gator. Um, mm-hmm. So remember, we still have this contest up and running so you guys can get your answers in from mm-hmm. our regular Sunday released episodes. But as always, you can get 15% off your purchase at Coffee Gator when you ento- enter promo code Quark, spelled Q-U-A-R-K. And yeah, a bunch of awesome products on Coffee Gator, so go check them out. And we have a promo break for uh, a really funny podcast. They are super unique <laughs> and uh, a little bit out there, but we really dig it. So this is a, a promo for... <laughs> yeah, like if it. you're a little out there, you will enjoy this. So <laughs> this is a promo for Let's Die podcast. Every week they discuss everything from shark attacks to giant killer robots, and uh, sometimes they play games as well to ease the madness. So uh, let's take a little listen to Let's Die podcast. done it we've mastered our portal technology and we've entered the portal for into the portal to steal all their portals so all their people will listen to us now let's die the his versus hers guide to the apocalypse the podcast (laughs) (laughs) jasmine what portal are you gonna steal uh transformers duh robots giant robot attack excellente wes what portal are you gonna steal Oh, I'm taking the bird in the box. I mean, bird box. The bird box? What's in the bird box? Jasmine, what's I in the bird see. box? I'm going to steal... You stole mine. I'm going to steal this one about love. Love survival, because that's what we do. We talk about impossible oh. things and how to survive them and things like that. And sometimes we play games on the Amazon Echo, like Jurassic World Revealed or text-based RPG, stuff like that. Nah, I'm saying... Oh, the freaking portal's gonna... No! Curse you into the portal. We'll get you next time. And we're back. So yeah, make sure to go check out Let's Die podcast. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a little bit more about, um, we're getting into Midian itself. So basically, yeah, it's beneath this cemetery where they have these mausoleums and stuff. And it's this weird in-between earth and we're not really sure, but hell is kind of how it's made to seem. Mm, it's dark. It's dark. It's not heaven. These are monsters. (laughs) They, you descend into it. Some of them eat people. Yeah. Right? Like in the scene where Boone's first the there. Exactly. The guy's like, he's mine. Like, I want the meat or whatever. This awesome character with mm. these crazy, like, red tentacles off of his head, which is just super, it's, super cool. It's really cool. Oh, and you know what's interesting, too, is, like, as you kind of go, you you walk through those gates. And then you get, like, yeah, like, um, a lot of, like, stone monoliths and all this kind of stuff. And it it just seems to get more and more complex and more town-like as yeah. you progress into it and then there's the scene right where even where Lori she she goes to find Boone and then she fi- sees that 
creature dying on the ground and she's like what is this it's got these big eyes like a big it looks like et yeah (laughs) and she like ends up saving it it's a little child and as soon as it's out of the light it's fine but she goes into a building right like the the lady there's like a woman inside and she's beckoning she's like please save it save her she doesn't know any better and then she ends up grabbing her and bringing her over so there is buildings there's full yeah it's full on it's like an abandoned weird place yeah definitely and but it's like it's not in a bad way though it's not like they're they're Mm -hmm. it's a protected place exactly it's like a sanctuary yeah Mm -hmm. and it was built by their savior which is this figure that resides in what they call the tabernacle which Mm -hmm. is deep beneath deep beneath the earth yeah and and this is it's crazy because when you first see it when when boone gets his initiation basically because he's like hey this is the only place i can go he's Mm -hmm. run away from lori he's trying to get away because he thinks he's a murderer at still at this point yeah um there's only like maybe eight or nine of these creatures that live in midian as a part of the ceremony and stuff right multiply then later we realize that this is a vast network of like hundreds of beings mm-hmm. living. and some of them are actually sequestered because they were outright insane and so they're not to be trusted so therefore they end up releasing them when the whole big shindig goes down uh-huh, yeah <laughs> so there's different classes it's a whole society it's a whole system exactly and yeah, there's tears. There's the leader that's not the actual... It's not Baphomet, which is the savior. Right. But it's, like, their leader. I can't remember his name, actually. Ooh, the top of my head. Yeah, he was interesting. He had these, kind of like, slats on his uh, cheeks that looked like gills, but they were eyes. Yeah, they were, like, extra eyes. Yeah. I mean, everyone's got their little weird, weird thing going on in Midian. <laughs> There's so, that one person with, like, the big cone thing coming yeah, out of the Yeah, he's got, like, forehead. a... It's, like, a, his face is, like, a crescent moon. <laughs> it's pretty weird. But, obviously, there is this connection to... I don't even know demonology, I guess, and potentially to some of the sort of the books. Maybe of hell. more paganism. And that yeah, thing. yeah, because Baphomet isn't outright associated with like the devil. I don't think okay. um, the term was actually originally associated with the Knights Templar, but this was what? falsely uh, associated with them and used against oh. them in their trials. Um, from what the little research I've done on it so far. Oh, okay. Um, we should do an episode on it on its own. That would actually be really cool, just to do the Knights Templar. That'd that would be really, be really cool. But. Obviously, later on, like, people will be familiar with this figure. It's like the Mm. goat, um, the winged goat man, basically. And it's been incorporated into, like, occult traditions. I believe it's actually on, like, different tarot cards now. Oh. That sort of figure. It's like the goat holding up the two fingers on one hand and then on the other. So, basically, it's like, yeah, there's this image from 1856, the um, sabbatic goat. So, it was (laughs) drawn by this guy named Elphus Levy. (laughs) El Eliphas. 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 Um, yeah. And it's kind of reminds me of almost like the alchemy Azoth in a way because oh, it contains yeah. these like binary elements representing, you know, like the, the sum total of the universe and like okay. male, female, good, evil. So it's not outright like a <laughs> <On> demon. <off. laughs> I love that, like, a Yeah, like, really, though. <laughs> the sum total of the universe. That's interesting. And actually, in our regular episode coming up this Sunday, we're going to get into um, a little bit of this kind of stuff, too. But anyway, I'm not even going to... That's my only yeah. tease. <laughs> this, this is, of course, only one artist's interpretation of of Baphomet, I okay. guess. Um, mm-hmm. But this is what it's sort of become in occult traditions. But, but it's interesting in this movie, because it's like, we're given this idea that 
there is this associate association with hell and that these are like monsters, right? That these right. are like It's a world of It's nightbreed. They're nightbreed. Exactly. They're not human. Mm-hmm. They're in this weird in-between space and it's definitely not on the between heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. It's between something else. Exactly. But it is. Yeah. And then this Baphomet character is interesting too because it is very closely resembling what you described, right? Like this is it's like a, a hominid, like a humanoid kind of like a and it has these like things extending out of its head like big horns yeah. essentially i'm just looking at this yeah the, the 19th century images like the just... one in the movie like the baphomet well, that... in the movie I don't, I don't even know if it's baphomet or baphomet i think it's baphomet baphomet um, i don't know but either. the one in the movie doesn't look like the one the rendition from the 1800s it's 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 more of a human darker. figure yeah and then the, <laughs> they do something very similar to what they do in Oh man, what's that awesome monster, Japanese monster movie that we love so much? It's from like the 50s or 60s. And it's that very old technology. Daimajin. Daimajin, where they, you know, like his face, he's a stone figure, and then you get this animation come out, and it's like an actual like person's head, and they kind of like sublimate it over top of yeah. like, or like, you yeah. know, like overlay it somehow. I don't know how they would do it. Wow. <laughs> it's kind of how it comes across, though. It's very human like, but very monstrous like, and it's got these big glowing red eyes. and Or is it green or red? Uh, I think they're I think red. Is it red? Yeah. And they, and it, you know, and that, at the later points of the film, obviously, it like it picks Boone up, and that reminded me of like the, uh, oh, the yeah. Idrak, or almost like a, like this giant thing from, uh, Ooh, the ritual like or the something, Idrak. you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. Oof, creepy. Yeah. But, Midian has this connection to, to the Bible too, like the actual place Midian, not just, not Baphomet on the hell side. True, actually. Well, it, it was a geographical place, and it is mentioned in the Torah and the Quran. Mm-hmm. So two very ancient books, and yeah, there's just one guy that states that basically Midian, the biblical Midian, was actually in the northwest Arabian Peninsula. Interesting. So it was like an actual place. And then it was never extensively settled, apparently, until about the 7th to 8th century BC. Weird. So okay. in the book of Genesis, uh, we get the Midianites. And so those are the descendants of Midian, who was a son of Abraham and his wife, Keturah? Keturah. Keturah. I like that. Anyways, yeah. So it's interesting. There was a quote here. This is actually from Genesis. It's Genesis 25, um... Oh my gosh, book one, verse two. Right. And essentially it says here, Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bare him, bare him. Isn't it going to be like born him? Ah. Uh, Zimran, Gokshan, Medan, Midian, and Ishbak. Oh, and Shua, of, of course. Of course. Oh, don't forget Shua. Oh, don't forget Shua. <laughs> Midian. What does that remind you of? It reminds me of like King Midas. <laughs> We keep getting reminded of King Midas. What was the other thing that reminded you of King Midas recently? Yeah, a lot of stuff reminded me of that. There was something else. Yeah. But, so there, I mean, that's interesting, right? like figures again. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's very pretty universal, though. So, Especially when you're talking about demonology or occult or mystical magic or anything. Very true. What do you make of this? Like, I'm, I'm gonna, I have a quote here I'm going to read in a sec, but I mean, like, the idea that this was a geographical place, like, with mm. inhabitants. Like, how is this connected to this, to the idea of... Uh, of, like, uh, of Clive Barker's notion. Yeah, I mean, of, the underworld and using that name. I mean, obviously there's a reason. For I that. think it works very well, especially. It works even better when you know a bit more of about course. all of this. And that, because the religious connections go, there's quite a, a lot that they kind of pack in. There's that one priest character that becomes quite significant. And then you do get the um, digression, right? Because there is the... The original ending and then there's also the director's cut director's cut that came about in 2015 
14 or 15. 2014. Like, yeah. And there's a lot of religious symbology um, implicitly implied in uh, Boone's character, right? As a savior type. Yeah. And then you get like a lot of the inverse of that too. Right. What are your thoughts on that though? Well, let me read this quote and then I'll answer that question. So God spoke to Moses and this is the quote, avenge the people of Israel on the Midianites. Afterward, you will go to be with your dead ancestors. Moses addressed the people. This was Moses speaking. Mm -hmm. Recruit men for a campaign against Midian to exact God's vengeance on Midian. A thousand from each tribe of Israel will go to war. (laughs) So, I mean, and that's kind of what we get at the end of the movie. (laughs) Don't we? So Moses doesn't like the Midianites, eh? Yeah, clearly these people... uh, What did Abraham's son do then? Jeez, what's going on there? Is that... I mean, we... That's very Old Testament. I didn't listen in Sunday school for the few times I was there. But I... That's not very Christianly. I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of that going on in the Old Testament and, and, and in parts of... You mean in the New Testament? The Old Testament's freaking harsh, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's not, uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely super <laughs> There's harsh. a lot of vengeance being wreaked that's on everyone. That's what I'm everyone. saying. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah <laughs> that's exactly. That's interesting. Okay, let's just go back to that. Avenge the people of Israel... On the Midianites. So there must have been, obviously, some sort of thing. Why aren't the Canaanites quite significant, too, in a lot of... Like, we brought them up during the Sea People's episode. They were the ancient enemies of Israel as well, right? I feel like like Israel has a lot of enemies. Well, they definitely do. They definitely (laughs) did. And, yep, and still do (laughs) to this day. (laughs) But (laughs) we're not going there. Yes, it's a... Um, Yeah. That's interesting, though. Okay, so in that context, then, Midian becomes the enemy. It's like the mortal enemy of any Christian soul. Right. Which is kind of interesting because it's actually the inverse, right? So they're the victims in this scenario. Exactly. They're, they're the ones that are basically being... It's like a holocaust. It's like a genocide that occurs. The f- town turns against them completely. You get this one character priest. This He's a drunken priest. His name's Ashbury. Yes. This is kind of interesting. I, I like this interplay. Everything's very ambiguous as far as the morals go. People that think they're in the right definitely aren't, including the doctor, right? And, like, there's so many levels of deceit um, and sin involved yes. in, in everyone. And I think Boone is essential. He is like a Jesus Christ character in a sense, right? Because he he's a savior. He's being character. he's being born again, yep. right? You get a um, resurrection. A resurrection. You get he he is a savior, right? He saves the people, like just like how Jesus supposedly saved the, <laughs> the Jews. Well, he died for the people's Christian, sins, yeah. right? And like, yeah, exactly. But anyway, sorry, just to get into this whole. Thing. So the town starts to rampage on Midian, and you get this priest character that enters into the narrative too. And he essentially joins them um, and says that he'll be God's servant in their upcoming battle against Midian. So this is like a, a 20th century, because this happened in the 1980s or 90s, 80s, whatever, 20th century replaying of what you just described in that quote, the exacting God's revengeance on Midian, a right. thousand from each tribe. So in a, in a 90s slasher movie. This is really cool. I'm, I'm really liking this. So essentially what happens to this drunken priest, Ashbury, though, is that he goes to fight. So he ends up going with uh, the police and the whatever. And and then that's when Boone convinces the Nightbreed to actually stand up and, and defend themselves. And so, okay, this is a really cool scene. When you get the battle is happening and they're up above, like they're on the surface Boone is going to go descend right into the tabernacle. He's going to go see uh, their leader again. Baphomet. Baphomet. 
And so the priest is like, I need to see. And he rips off his collar. That's so symbolic. He's like basically relinquishing his... Denouncing. He's denouncing it, right? He wants to go see. He's like, what is going on here? And then he descends and then he basically (laughs) gets a bunch of acid thrown on him. And then he wants vengeance. So everyone wants vengeance on someone. I, I love that though, because... In the end, he actually plays into the original ending. Okay, we watched the director's cut. Yes. There is an original ending that was from the 1990s version. This is what plays out in it. And again, this is where the priest kind of comes in. So this was just from Wikipedia description. It says, Decker confronts Boone. So the Dr. Decker, the psychopath, confronts Boone, the Jesus Christ guy, and is killed. Which happens in the director's cut too. But then when Boone faces Baphomet... Um, Baphomet says that it's the cause of Midian, which has been foretold, la la la, you have the whole prophecy thing. And then, um, he, Baphomet charges Boone with finding a new home for the Nightbreed, names him Cabal. That happens in the director's cut too. But then, you get this whole other thing. So essentially, okay, so you get a resurgence of Decker, which is bizarre. Essentially, okay, Boone leaves Midian with Laurie. And meets up with the remaining Nightbreed in his barn. He says goodbye to Narcisse, which is just one of the um, main uh, Nightbreed guys. And then promises to find a place where they'll all be safe. And then basically Ashbury is standing. He's still in the ruins of Midian. And you see him standing in front of Decker's corpse. And he states that he wants vengeance on Baphomet and the Breed. So he's basically the Moses character now. This guy is such a flip-flopper. Yeah, and then he presses Baphomet's blood into Decker's wound, and Decker springs back to life with a scream as Ashbury repeatedly hollers, Hallelujah. That's a weird ending. That's really weird. So in that in the director's cut... Okay, so... <sighs> the original ending wasn't very satisfactory for Clive Barker. It's not what he wanted. I right. don't know how it ended up being released that way, which is kind of bizarre. You would think he would have well, more creative control. Obviously, the producers had more the creative studio, control. The studio, exactly. Yeah. It all kind of came, whatever. But essentially, in the other ending that we watched, it was very much plays into this whole resurrection, Jesus Christ kind of a narrative, where you get you get <laughs> Lori doing, like, the samurai suicide, so she can become the Nightbreed. Yeah. And then you get the two of them just standing, and you get this, um, one of the Nightbreeds says, like, oh, Boone, like, he will come he will save us and if it's not tonight it'll be the next night on the next wind or something right and they just see them like standing and there's like this big like epic shot of them yeah. and they're like gonna save them and that's a much better ending i feel like than like what, what are your thoughts on those i two? agree like i think well the the ending of the first one of the before the director's cut implies a sequel because mm. you because you've got decker back to life and they're seeking vengeance right yeah. like that is that is the ending you'd give when you have the sequel already in the works Mm -hmm. because clearly that it's not over because he's Mm -hmm. trying to find a new home for them. Meanwhile, you've got your mortal enemy now right back at it. Who's going to try to kill you. True. Who's been trying to kill you for the entire movie and also your girlfriend. The other thing I like about the director's cut version is it almost is more of a love story too. There's definitely a love story element to this. And she's so strong. She's very, totally. She's so capable. I love that. She's like going in there, has full agency, Mm -hmm. you know, goes through this entire world, this underworld of crazy creatures and characters. And she could have been knocked off, like, you know, like just like so many different times. Oh, I would have been out of there in two seconds. I wouldn't have made it that far into Well, she could have run away or she could have been killed. And neither of that happens. She isn't like this helpless, defenseless, whatever that Boone has to actively save. 
nothing like that unless until the end right when she kills herself which is again a very courageous act you like freaking knife yourself she in the did abdomen. it to be with him right yeah so that they could the be whole, together the whole movie is about her wanting to exactly that fulfill yeah. that sort of the 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 part where she actually dream. does explore Midian and is trying to find Boone um, is kind of plays into almost this um, I would say the humor aspect of the film because there's mm. actually a lot of humor in this movie and a lot of just fun like you totally. know what I mean so it's like she's going through Midian and peeking in the different rooms and seeing just the bizarre creatures and so beings that are living down here like some big massive like. Uh, it's like Jabba like, the Hutt. Yeah, kind of like thing. Jabba the Hutt, but with another Jabba the Hutt growing out of its stomach. Yeah, it's um, not like a head, but no, it's like headless, but then the head is growing right, out of the stomach. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of some other oh, examples. Oh, the, the crazy guy with the um, the tentacles coming out of his like stomach, and then he can like rip out people's That's right, yeah, there's like this chubby guy, and he's got these two holes in his stomach, and with these worm tentacles that have eyes and mouths on them, he can control, <laughs> and they like gouge out people's eyes. So freaky. And then, of course, the guy I mentioned earlier with the red kind of almost tentacled hair head. Mm. Um, so many. Oh, the porcupine girl, too. Right. That's cool. And yeah. she's, like, all, like, seductress, and then she turns into, like, yeah, just full-on, just, like, fling her. Giant needles. Like. Yeah, giant needles. And all of this is crazy because these special effects are real. It's not. Like, it's animatronics. It's not computer-generated. Right. And they had a couple months, like, this guy, Bob Keane, he was kind of, he was a director, and he was kind of responsible for this kind of stuff. And then they had about two months to play around with ideas, and then they started modeling, and... They only wanted to use animatronics where it was necessary. Everything else is just people. Right. So whatever they couldn't get away with, they had to put in. But even the sets, right? Like, all of it is just amazing. So much detail. All of that. Because you just imagine today, when we, say, we go to the movies, we see, like, a, a crazy action-packed, like, superhero movie. It's all fake. Yeah. It's all just computers. Yeah. And and then you look at the like behind the scenes and it's all just like they're standing in front of a green screen with a bunch of like sensors all over their body yeah. and whatever else. Yeah. It's that's a completely different film culture. Yeah, it's different. Now yeah. as opposed to then. I don't know. I feel like this would have been more interesting back in the day. It would have been a lot more work well, different kind of work. I'm not gonna say it's not a lot of work. Obviously CGI yeah. is crazy, it takes a ton of work and oh, detail. For sure. But it's a, just a different 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 era obviously and you got to appreciate these uh and this is something i wanted to mention too because it's like the 90s is the 80s like the (laughs) early 90s like this movie was 1990 okay (laughs) it 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 just screams reanimator right like it's very very similar very and this is like a joke that amber and i have had ongoing for (laughs) years now that like the first three years of every decade is basically just the previous decade exactly so it's like until 1993 it was the 80s. Like, it was it was 80s. If yeah. you were born in 1993, you were born in the 80s. That's when you start <laughs> formulating like, a new sort of decade identity, I feel like. Exactly. It comes about halfway. Yeah. They can, and then, the, yeah, the trends and things change. And, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this movie just screams 80s it's to me, and I, I love it a lot. <laughs> what else do we want to touch on here? We were going to talk about just, like, Clive Barker, how the movie was received. Oh, that's true, yeah. And, like, his whole world of monsters. Like, he... This was, like, kind of a thing for him. He always loved monsters. And this was a quote. He said, There's a corner of us that envies their powers and what and would love to live forever or to fly or to change shape at will. So when I came to make a movie about monsters, I wanted to create a world that we'd feel strangely at home in. Which right. I think he achieves. I think he does I that. I think so. Yeah. It's, it's a very... It's, it's kind of funny, though, because he... Again, this is part of his larger world. Um, oh, what was the actual... Mm, he had, like, a series. 
And it was like this was part of the series, these nightbreed characters okay. and stuff. And and then the novella Cabal Cabal ended up being incorporated into another like anthology or compilation of all of these short stories. Oh, okay. So, Hence the name of Boone being changed to Cabal, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. In the end he actually the, the prophecy's fulfilled and, and he's renamed essentially. Yes. Right. But at, yeah, getting into like the release and the reception and all this kind of stuff, it was definitely a failure. At the beginning. <laughs> Critically and commercially. <laughs> failed <laughs> yeah yeah but it, uh, barker had some struggles apparently like he wasn't very happy with how it was packaged how it was marketed mm. he said that essentially the film company tried to sell it as a standard slasher film which was dumb and that they didn't really know they didn't really know like the the full extent of the story the narrative and so i feel like since then it's definitely achieved that cult status because there are people that understand and get it but absolutely it's not mainstream by any means mm. So, yeah, he was very disappointed with the final cut that was approved by the studio. And he always longed um, to do, like, a second release. So he actually did get that chance in 2014. Much, much later. Yeah. But he still... And it makes so much more sense now because when we watched the film, it was this director's cut. And at the very end, he says something about how this reunion wouldn't have been possible without so-and-so and whatever and thanks to the team and all yeah. this stuff. And I was, like, kind of confused, like what what reunion like did he do another like is this like a sequel to something yeah. else or something or like what's no it was going just on? coming back around for exactly the, for the another... director's cut oh so they all would have got together again like all the cast all the f- crew everyone would have been there for the new release it's pretty cool i wonder what um like bobby and bobby and uh sheffield is that his name yeah i wonder yeah. what they're up to now. i wonder <laughs> they'd be a little older but i, I recognized her from some stuff too oh, like yeah. she looked really familiar as I well think, I think she's actually in murder she wrote okay but i i'm not sure <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean what was your what was your kind of take then what, what what was your favorite scene if you could pick one or like what was your what was your favorite part about this movie I just really liked the characters. I gravitated to all of them. I really loved the one guy, that the one Nightbreed character that was, um, he had his little, like, Boston Terrier dog. Oh, yeah. And they're all just so, they're just people, right? Right. It was a very humanistic story, and that was my favorite part about it. Well, it was funny, like, even in the trailer we watched before we, before we rented it, um, it's, it's like, you know, like they're monsters living and whatever, but this time they're the good guys. And it was yeah. like this, like very, like almost like home alone esque trailer, but, it, <laughs> but it's funny because you don't, ex- you wouldn't expect that from a movie like this where it is a slasher film. Mm-hmm. It is a slasher film, definitely elements of that. But then you have this hero narrative at, at, and this group of monsters that, yeah, normally would be reserved for like outcasts, outcasts mm-hmm. but they're, they're the ones being persecuted. So it's kind yeah. of a flip flip of the switch. Like, where do they go? It's almost like one of the lost tribes of Israel, right? Where they're just in this barn. Where are they going? Like, it's not a desert, obviously, but they need oh, to figure out Oh, that's some sort of an home. ironic comparison, wouldn't yeah. you say? Mm-hmm. Very ironic. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's going full circle. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, what are your final thoughts? I mean, how, yeah. Would I, you recommend it? I would absolutely recommend mm-hmm. this movie. Um, the main character, Aaron, like Aaron Boone, was great. He yeah. did a great job. I just love the idea of there being an underground labyrinth of a, of a city that's sort of this like in-between space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anytime we get anything like that, I'm all over it because that just sounds so cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I I would definitely recommend this film. I really loved all of it. It was just amazing. I can't believe I haven't seen it before. <laughs> I say this about so many of these movies. Well, we're getting back into it. Well, you were born in 1992. True. Yeah. So anyway. 
Well, I think we should wrap it up. The dog's snoring. Indeed uh, she is. Yeah. So what do we got it's going? 6.30 on Friday. <laughs> yeah. She's already asleep. Passed out. That's a bulldog <laughs> for you. Um, what do we got coming up next week? We are actually um, going to visit one of Matthew Plum's suggestions, Sweet. one of our patrons. And we're going to be doing Primer, which is really awesome. cool. It's a very, again, a, a culty film cult following and done i think it was like the early it was like 2004 but it's about time travel awesome yeah so Very make cool. sure you guys go check that out and we'll be back next week definitely um before we go though thank you again to our producer charlene ramler yes. and um oh thank you so much for the card charlene oh, and yeah thank you that that was just i don't so... even know what to say like that was so so nice i'm looking um, at it it's on our shelf we got right it up now. on our shelf um yeah. just congratulating us on our engagement so that was really sweet was uh, we really, really nice. appreciate it and yeah obviously thank you for being our producer yeah. you guys can check out uh the tiers we have on patreon too um patreon.com forward slash into the portal and you can become a producer as well so go check mm-hmm. out uh, what we have to offer on there and thanks so much for listening to this film friday and we will catch you guys again in a couple days on sunday mm-hmm. stay tuned Till then.